Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature Radio. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you said it, the gold standard. I mean, they've been top of the top in the AFC for the past decade or so. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, they're highly competitive, so it's good for us to play somebody like that. Um, but, you know, it's it's all about the, the next game. So we're, we're playing the Chiefs this week, and then, um, you know, hopefully, obviously, looking for a win, and then move on to the next one after that. And, and you try and improve each week. And so this week, we're trying to just do our job. Now, here's your host, my dad, Delonius Seven. My dogs by nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Delonius Seven, and you're listening to The Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. The inaugural week of the 2021 season will be epic, as your Cleveland Browns look to respond to that season-ending playoff loss and our nation's crossroads at Kansas City. Well, to help us prepare for this meeting, we've reached out to Reverend Nacho. He can be found at KC Shuffle on Twitter. Without any further ado, let's get into the questions. Week one will be huge for us as Browns fans. The last time we saw real football, we watched the clock hit zeros on our playoff hopes at Arrowhead. And this year, we hope to start a deeper run at the same digs. First, what was that playoff game like from your perspective, and how big is this week one game from your perspective? Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely skated by a little bit when it came to uh, the playoff game against the Cleveland Browns. And by that, I mean that Patrick Mahomes was not playing for the second half, and we were relying on Chad Henney. Now, one thing I will say is we were able to see the Cleveland Browns uh, offensively start to play some catch-up. They were they were doing uh, some really good things offensively, defensively. You can't stop Chad Henney. That's going to be a problem. Um, I do think uh, we'll get into a little bit more about how we feel week one is going to end up looking like. But um, from what I have been able to see and read about the Cleveland Browns in this offseason, I do think defensively they're going to pose uh, a better matchup. Uh, against our offense and I do think it's going to be a uh, pretty fun game in the first week like I said we'll probably talk about that here in just a little bit this is going to be an incredible test for the Browns this season Uh, but if you'll bear with me for one second I have one more aside question the Indians recently announced their name change to the Guardians it sounds like you're dealing with a similar pressure in Kansas City what do fans think about the team name and and can you imagine an alternative Kansas City has been working with a lot of the indigenous and uh, first world nation tribes in and around this area. You won't see it a lot um, because obviously a lot of the narratives are basically headline grabbing title attention seeking kind of headlines. But quite frankly, a lot of the tribes uh, that they have been working with uh, directly uh, do not have a uh, let's say they're not 
focusing so much on that. Now, we have banned headdresses, we've banned, um, you know, face paint, and a lot of the uh, uh, Native American um, cultural aspects that we were bringing to the game and in the stadiums. So, it's going to be something that, uh, you know, I think is going to remain in the conversation for a while. The, the Chiefs were named the Chiefs because of H. Roll Bartle. His nickname was, you know, the Chief. But uh, one of the main argument points against that was that uh, the tribe that the Boy Scouts of America brought, uh, you know, into their into their organization is called the Mikose tribe, which obviously is not a real Native American tribe. So that is a point of contention. But um, I do think that we're going to see these conversations continue to unfold as time goes by. And I guess we're just going to see exactly where it leads. I do think there's a segment of the Chiefs fan base who is seeing a lot of the new signage and the new... Um, emblazoning around the stadium with GEHA Field, obviously taking a larger focus uh, than Arrowhead signage itself. Maybe that might lend itself to, hey, they're going to, you know, change a lot of these, you know, certain things. But all in all, um, I don't think that there's a huge push so far here in Kansas City that we're seeing, and uh, we'll just kind of have to monitor that day by day. I always wonder how opinions vary on this topic from market to market appreciate some of the historical context it's not something you usually hear all right back to football even though you guys made it to the big show in consecutive years somehow you seem to improve drastically in this 2021 offseason how did that happen how much better can you be in this 2021 season we have made it to the Super Bowl uh, in two consecutive years, yes. And we have been to three straight uh, AFC championships. And I think one of the reasons that you see the Chiefs getting better is, uh, number one, because of a lack of attrition. Now, we've been able to retain our entire coaching staff now for three years, which, in my opinion, is almost laughable when you look at what Eric Bieniemy, as an offensive coordinator has brought to the table. He should absolutely be a head coach somewhere else. But when you keep that kind of coaching continuity, you're really doing a service to, you know, every aspect of the team that that particular coach or coaching staff has to bring to the table. Now people don't have to relearn different schemes, different verbiage and terminology. They're now operating off what they have been for multiple years. And I think that kind of consistency helps a team quite a bit. Now in the offseason, season obviously we saw that the offensive line was a huge problem in the Super Bowl not the only problem a lot of people are overlooking the plethora of drops that uh Travis Kelsey Tyree killed uh, Demarcus Robinson a lot of these uh pass catching you know receivers and, and and player personnel had but offensive line was an obvious problem not just in the Super Bowl not just through the playoffs but even you know uh midway through the season and beyond uh Brett Beach went out and worked absolute magic stealing a uh, high-end left tackle from what I'm going to go ahead and start referring to as a conference um, uh, a foe in the Baltimore Ravens, who are a very high-end up-and-coming team. So we were able to shore up that position, uh, at least from what it looks like in the preseason. Uh, we brought in Joe Tooney on the largest left guard contract um so far for left guards but so far he is also uh in the preseason and i know you can only take so much from that but proven to be a quality investment thus far uh in my opinion the two steals uh when it comes to offensive linemen in the draft period in creed humphrey at center who is an ambidextrous center and has been an absolute anchor 
from what we've seen so far, and Trey Smith as a sixth round pick who dropped so far because of health concerns due to blood clots, but he has been a stonewall uh, from what we've seen in the, in, in the preseason. And then Lucas Niang was a draft pick from two years ago, uh, opted out due to COVID. Uh, last year did not get a lot of playing time, but from, again, what we've been able to see in limited snaps, somebody who is providing a lot of positional value. So it's not just the starting five we have on the offensive line, it's the depth behind them that has a lot of Chiefs fans excited. We do have a lot of quality players along that line. So, um, you know, regardless of any other position group, you can talk about Noah Gray, um, you know, coming in, it looks like the Chiefs are going to play 14 personnel from time to time, uh, you know, with, with, with four tight ends on the roster. But uh, when you look at what Brett Veach has done here in Kansas City, the first and foremost thing that we see is the protection for our half billion dollar quarterback. So that was a huge thing for us. And I think it's going to pay dividends, not just in the uh, passing game, but obviously also in the run game and uh, giving Andy Reid the ability to start uh, utilizing the screen game which is a huge benchmark of what he does offensively and we were not able to do last year due to, uh, in, in a large part, to our offensive line. The offensive line is going to be in for a challenge uh, this week one game. I was listening to the way Andy Reid answered a question about this in the press conference and I think Andy Reid says less than Bill Belichick, which made me ask, is Andy Reid a kind of person whose influence spills over into the GM side of the organization? Is he a de facto GM? Uh, I do not think that uh, Reid at this point is the de facto GM. I do think uh, just as with any really good high quality head coach with longevity in the league and a proven track record, he's going to have a voice in uh, you know some of the player decisions and, and the personnel decisions. But I think at this point, the last few years, we've seen that Brett Veach is uh, really out there wheeling and dealing, making some pretty decent moves. Uh, it's actually a point of contention right now with a lot of Chiefs fans on um, exactly how you view Brett Veach. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of middle ground. Either people love him or people hate him for contracts such as uh, Frank Clark, uh, drafting people like uh, Breland Speaks in the second round, who's not even in the league anymore. So there's ups and downs. He's a young GM, and I think that he's going to grow into his role. And me personally, I believe that he's done a fairly decent job, and that is evidenced by, once again, three AFC championships and two Super Bowl appearances. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Point taken. Appreciate this response. And now I'm curious about your takes for this upcoming game. I think the week one matchup really comes down to this. I'm not going to take anything away from the Cleveland Browns, and I want to preface everything that I'm about to say with this little caveat, Cleveland Browns fans. I, as a young child, made the uh, cardinal mistake of making my second favorite NFL team be in the same conference as my first favorite NFL team, okay? Usually, hey, if you're a fan of, you know, if you're Browns fans, then if you have a secondary team, they're in the NFC, right? So same with everybody else. Unfortunately, my second favorite team growing up was the Browns. So I do really, really respect the uh, the team, the fan base, and what you guys put into it. Hopefully, you don't bite my head off with everything I'm about to say next based on that you know little tidbit of information. Now, when it comes to the week one game, there's a couple factors that I believe put the Kansas City Chiefs in a position to win this game. And we're going to start off with this. Arrowhead is a raucous environment. And not only is it typically a raucous environment, this is 
the first game of the season for Chiefs fans taking place at home. Not only that, but they just missed out on an entire year of being able to pack that stadium. And the one thing that Chiefs fans take to heart, one thing that we take as a, a source of pride is being the loudest stadium in all of American sports. So I think what the Cleveland Browns are going to be walking into is an absolute gauntlet of noise and and crowd and fan interaction that, uh, quite frankly, I wish the, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records people would come back for this game because I think we might beat the old record of 142.2 decibels. That's hard for any team to walk into, okay? Now, Let's go ahead and take a quick look at what are the two major factors when you're looking at a t- uh, uh, you know uh, a matchup in the NFL. What two people on those teams mean the most when it comes to deciding eh, is it going to be a win or a loss? That's your head coach and that's your quarterback. Okay, I have nothing against Steven Stefanski. I think he uh, showed last year that he is capable of taking this team and doing good things with them, but. There's no longevity. I haven't seen it for more than a year. And while I want to hope that he does in time uh, do really great things for the Cleveland Browns, because quite frankly, you guys are do (laughs) great things. um, I cannot give him the check mark. I'm sorry, Kevin Stefanski, not Steven Stefanski. I'm my bad. Um, but I cannot give him the the check mark over Andy Reid. At this point, Andy Reid, in my opinion, is probably a shoe in for the for the Hall of Fame uh, as a coach. One more Super Bowl under his belt, it's going to be unquestionable, undeniable. Andy Reid wins the matchup between head coaches. I don't think we need to delve into too much when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Um, if anybody listening to this uh, wants to go on the comment board and try to say that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, I'm just going to let you kind of go ahead and uh, talk to your patio furniture because, quite frankly, that's not even a discussion. I do see that uh, the Cleveland Browns have done great things uh, on their defense. They brought over half of the uh, L.A. Rams secondary from last year. Uh, You guys do have a pretty formidable uh, pass rush. Your linebackers aren't bad, Um, you know, and your offense is a pretty decent offense. I think the Cleveland Browns throughout the entire season, not just week one, are going to ride and die on Baker Mayfield's performance or if it is a, a poor showing, I think they're going to end up riding and dying on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt being a former chief, somebody that uh, we highly uh, miss around here, but we'll see how Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does for us. Um, I do think one of the advantages that the Cleveland Browns have over the Chiefs is your offensive line over our I guess you can call it a revamped defensive line, but an offensive line with, you know, you got uh, Jedrick Wills, you got Joel Batonio, high-quality player, J.C. Treader, high-quality center, Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin, a very high-quality right tackle. That's a, that, that's a pretty formidable front wall protecting Baker Mayfield, and if you guys run... Um, you know, some some boots, if you run, you know, quick slants and things like that and don't give our new defensive line, which is Frank Clark, who's been largely underwhelming here in Kansas City. Uh, we are pretty optimistic here in KC about Chris Jones being able to split out 
uh, to the defensive end position. Uh, he's shown uh, very well in the preseason with that. Uh, obviously, he did some of that in college, and he has lost some weight and gained some speed. So we're pretty pretty secure with that. We did bring in uh, Jaron Reed um, from the Seahawks, somebody who played uh, also with Frank Clark when Frank was with the Seahawks, and a uh, very good defensive tackle. We also had Derek Nadi um, in there and doing great things. So we have some good rotational pieces. However, that offensive line is going to pose problems. And I don't think if the if the Chiefs are not able to get pressure or contain Baker, because Baker also not bad on his legs, um, but if we're not able to contain the run game that you guys have, which in my opinion is going to be the best in the league this year, I do think you guys are going to have a better run game even than the Tennessee Titans. Don't tell Derrick Henry I said that. Uh, I think that combination of the committee that you guys got behind that offensive line is going to be absolutely formidable. If we're not able to contain the run, if we're not able to bring pressure to Baker Mayfield, I do think it's going to be a close game. We call that committee the union, and let's not forget that they were not 100% in the last game. <laughs> you gave us a lot to think about with that comment. Uh, but before you go, do you mind giving us a prediction for this game? Um, so I'm going to go ahead, and while I initially and in other places have given a different prediction for the outcome of the game, having said everything that I just said, I'm going to get a little bit more conservative. I still think the Chiefs win. But I do think that the Browns keep it a little bit closer than I've normally predicted. I am looking at a 31 to 28 uh, Chiefs victory. And uh, really, this is one of those games uh, with the matchup as it is. It could very well come down to special teams. It could very well come down to just one or two coaching errors. We'll see how Kevin Stefanski plays this game. Uh, we'll see how Baker Mayfield does. Um, you know, it, it, to me, it's going to be a great... I don't think the NFL could have put together a better first-week matchup um, than either Chiefs-Browns or Chiefs-Bills. And they went Chiefs-Browns, and I think that's going to be great for Cleveland. I think it's going to be great for KC. I think it's going to give both teams a barometer of what trajectory these teams are going to take throughout the rest of the season and give us a lot to look forward to. Our guest today has been Reverend Nacho, host of the KC Shuffle podcast. Good Reverend, thank you for taking your time to share with us here on Dogs by Nature Radio. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts for our audience? Thank you so much for listening to me. Uh, I know I've been rambling on for quite a bit. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at KC Shuffle Show. Make sure you check us out on uh, YouTube as well at KC Shuffle Show on Facebook. Guess what? At KC Shuffle Show. Uh, we're also on Instagram on under something. If you look up enough KC Shuffles, you'll probably find us. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, looking forward to week one. And let's go Chiefs. Fantastic work, sir. Thank you so much for being here. And with that, we'll put this one in the books. You've been listening to The Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious7. Take care and go Browns. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. 
In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.